And then we have kinky. And so kinky, you know, people think of like BDSM, which is certainly in the realm of kinky. The important thing about a kinky blueprint is that it's anything that is taboo for you. So it's a very creative realm of playing. And um, there's sort of like the more impact focused kinky, you know, with like ropes and um, scratching and tying. And, and then there's also psychological kinky. So more of that like um, submission and dominance power play stuff. Welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm Dave Glazer. We are joined today by Celeste Love, a erotic blueprint coach and very enthusiastic about how the personal assessment has made a great change in her intimacy with her partner, as well as uh, self-awareness through the tool for personal growth. We dig deep into my sexual and energetic blueprint types, as well as the other three types too, kinky, shapeshifter, and sensual. We talk about how those relate to our partners and how the myth of compatibility and incompatibility is something that's constructed in the modern dating era that may not actually have anything to do with your sex life. And Celeste and I dig deep into our personal lives and how we've seen transformation in our intimate relationships through personal growth. I want to wish you all a very happy holiday season and I want to say how grateful I am for the last year of support and growth that we've experienced as a community. I cannot thank you all enough for each and every time that you listen to the podcast and send your comments through Instagram. It means the world to me that the message resonates with you out there. So please don't hesitate to head on over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and a written review so that we know that the message of the podcast is getting out to you guys. That way we can bring you new guests in 2021 that you're excited to hear from. I can't wait to start a new year, start fresh, as I'm sure a lot of you are as well out there. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you need a little additional support right now. Our holiday gift to you is to include a 60-minute consultation with me, absolutely free, each and every time that you reach out and feel as if you need a little bit more support. So don't hesitate to connect with me through the website or through Instagram. Just send me a DM and I'll be sure to open up my calendar for you so that you can get the support you need as you enter into a new year with a clean slate and a fresh start. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Celeste Love. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast. I'm joined by Celeste Love. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Uh, I'm so good. I've, I've been waiting to talk to you since we uh, chatted on the phone briefly a few weeks ago and, and you moved to Florida. What, what's it like moving across the country in the middle of a pandemic? Um, well, we had, it's not as bad as you would think, actually. Um, we caught the very last day of the airlines um, keeping the middle um, seats open in the airplanes. And um, we just, you know, had all the face shields and everything. And we took my cat with me and here we are. It was um, actually much less of an ordeal than I thought it would be. So totally worthwhile spending the winter in Florida instead of Denver. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like it's worth it then. Um, we have thankfully had some beautiful days, which helps all of our um, seasonal affective disorders just kind of sure. fall away uh, yes. now that we're getting into gloomier days, but we're so blessed in Colorado to have sunshine. Like Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that I can't handle the dryness there. Honestly, <laughs> I came to Florida for the humidity and it's wonderful. You might be the people, only person I've ever heard say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people I was going to say don't like that. I don't think I could handle it in the summertime, but wintertime um, Florida humidity is is really nice. Got it. Awesome. Well, the reason that we originally connected on social media is uh, because of your passion for the erotic blueprint. But what's your story in leading up to finding the erotic blueprint and then kind of uh, this personal discovery that you've been going through? Yeah. So my passion is currently focused in the erotic blueprints, but really my passion is uh, really around relationships and sexuality and how we can connect really deeply with ourselves um, so that we can connect really deeply with others. We can connect in our communities and we can connect uh, more deeply with our planet. So it's more of this like 
sort of like a big grand vision for up-leveling the consciousness of humanity. Um, and how did I get there? How did I get into that? Uh, well, I really just, you know, for like a lot of us, I came from, um, came from a lovely, loving home. But I also came from uh, a religious background. And I think whether you come from a religious background or not, you, you get affected by um, sort of relational norms and sexual norms in our culture. Um, and I just um, kept, once I became an adult, I kept messing up in relationships. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, if, if relatable. You know I mean. So meaning, <laughs> meaning like it was not following, I was not following the path that I had been trained as a good uh, Christian girl um, that, you know, you're supposed to like fall in love, get married, have the house and the kids and um, just, you know, work until you retire. And then, and that's it. I just was not doing that well. I was, um, I would get a few years into a relationship usually and inevitably we would end up in this sort of like emotional chasm. And when I got married, um, I, we were in this emotional chasm and we were also dealing with mental health issues on both sides and um, infidelity. And all of these were not because we are bad people. They were because we were ignorant of things deep within ourselves that just were not being resolved. And so of course, um, instead of thinking Oh, and then also, you know, I was also dealing with like, uh, well, and I haven't even really like, I was also dealing with my own sexuality unbeknownst to me at the time. Um, this was like, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. It's not, it still, you know, I know we've come a long way here in 2020, but still even, even 20 years ago, it was a much different situation than it is now. Um, and so I just kept wondering what was wrong with me every time a relationship would go wrong. And instead of wondering, well, maybe the model that I've been given is wrong. I just kept internalizing that something's wrong with me. I don't know how to do relationships and like just kept hoping that I would get it right. Mm -hmm. So eventually I did get to a place after, um, you know, the breakup of my marriage and another long-term relationship breaking up where I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And I spent, I was like, I'm going to be single for as long as it takes for me to really like dive into myself and figure out what is it that I actually want. Um, I'd never done that in my adult life before. I spent a lot of time doing what everybody or what I thought everybody wanted me to do, which I think is super common. Um, whether, you, you know, what, no matter your gender, but especially for women and especially for women who are raised in a religious environment. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're not trained to know what you want and you're just trained to please others. And so you're robbed of your power. And so I started just really diving into relational work, um, just figuring out different dating configurations. Um, and I said to myself, I'm not going to get into another relationship until I figure some of this stuff out for real mm -hmm. on my own mm -hmm. as, as a single human being. Um, and then once I did, I, you know, I've been dating my current partner for almost four years. And one of the things that attracted us to each other was that mutual interest in figuring out relationship stuff. Um, real, and just, and also getting creative and fun and playful with sexuality. So we've, and we were just sort of haphazardly exposed to um, a Jaya event. And Jaya is the creator of the erotic blueprints. And we were like, oh, sure well, just, well, this sounds kind of interesting. You know, we didn't really know much about it. And, but, you know, we'd always been doing these, um, these explorations together. So we went to the Jaya event and we got introduced to the erotic blueprints and we learned some tools that we implemented like right away in our relationship. And it was just like, bang, it was really, really impactful. It, like it, mm. it just was very transformational because we, we learned a language and a framework that we had never had before. Um, and that was like a language and a framework for both our erotic selves and our erotic energy. And also, you know, just, you know, outside of like um, erotic um, and sexual expression, just different ways of like relating to each other in a way that was like super powerful and connective. Mm -hmm. And so 
here we are. We both became blueprint coaches actually. Um, and now I feel so inspired and, and in awe that I get to introduce this to others. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing your story. And I can relate so much to it because after a couple of long-term relationships, they were both three and a half years each. I started to like recognize that pattern of, okay, it's me. Let me start asking myself questions about what the heck was I doing? And from what I heard you say in there is that like you started asking questions about the the story and the narrative that you were brought up in. And you were also asking the story of how did you play a role in that? Yeah. Took me a while to get to that second part, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> Oftentimes we don't want to look directly in the mirror. We want to look at the, <laughs> at the external influences in our lives. And that's very yeah. important to mm -hmm. look at that. Uh, mm -hmm. Because it does influence our decisions and it does influence our personality as we grow and, and become adults. But being an adult and being your your own caretaker is starting to reflect inward. And Absolutely. that's where I saw so much transformation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it, I think it is, um, <laughs> you know, asking the question, like, what what is my role in this, I think, is one of the hardest pills to swallow sometimes. And I think... I know you, you kind of, your work is in the realm of people who are in the dating world, but people who are in longer term relationships just want to point their fingers at their partner. Um, and I can say from personal experience that the more I took that finger and like pointed it back at myself, and I had to be really honest with myself a few times because I was like, oh, I'm really into personal growth and spiritual development. And I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And inevitably I kept like kind of crashing and burning in certain situations, even with my current partner. Um, and, you know, we still uh, have moments where we're like, oh, I see that pattern coming up again. And mm -hmm. normal, you know, like can't, can't blame him or whatever he's doing. I, I really have to like get honest with myself and get myself back in check. Right. That, that consciousness, um, whether we are just starting to date, whether we're single or whether we're in a long-term relationship is so valuable um, so that we don't continuously point the finger at our partner or at coworkers or friends or family members. And we start to look and ask, what role do I play in this? And yeah. when we start to take ownership of that, then we can communicate better with our partner or our family members and saying, here's the role that I play. This is the story that I'm creating around that. And I want to open up the conversation with you about it. Do you have the emotional bandwidth to talk about that now or later this week? <laughs> yeah, yes. That's so good. That's such a great um, technique is not just bombarding your partner in the moment saying, hey, I need to talk whoa, what, um, you know, let's, let's talk about something. I'd love to um, find a time when you feel like you're resourced and I'm resourced and we're prepared to talk about something, even if it's like, you know, something that's not, not a big deal. Like mm -hmm. who's emptying the dishwasher more? I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, the things that we believe are big deals, we kind of create that through anxiety and through um, kind of, overthinking it in our minds. We're creating it to be something bigger than it might actually be. So I, I love that you bring up the dishwasher because we were talking about that in, in our small group the other night of like keeping score in a relationship, how that's not the best way to go about it. And then also like the way you load the dishwasher, if you let the little things build up you're you're chuckling because I, I bet that's relatable to a yeah, lot of people it's totally true i feel everybody struggles with that on some level at some point in their relationship right right what the way that you load the dishwasher comes from the story and the narrative that you grew up with like it's your influences as you were uh raised and as you were guided by uh, family influences and then your partner has a different story and a different narrative around how they load the dishwasher and the dishwasher is just a symbol. It's just an analogy for the rest of the way that we live. It could be the yeah, way you drive, you know, yeah. it could be the, it could be the, the toilet seat. It can be just general cleanliness of your, of your living space. Right. 
exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. And all of this is making me um, just think about how, you know, we take things so seriously. We, we, all of us can get into this space. I mean, I don't think anybody is excluded from this. Maybe if you're enlightened, um, but the people, I know that I tend to like start getting into like a space of real seriousness about, you know, uh, whether it's my relationship or the growth I want to do or relating with my partner in an intelligent and emotional, you know, emotionally intelligent way. Um, and, or if we're just locked in a pattern of conflict, I think we tend to forget that relationships are actually meant to be playful and, um, fun and can be lighthearted and filled with joy. And uh, one of the things that I love about the work that I do is that it has, it has a really fun, playful framework. You know, it, it, it's just full of possibility for bringing in like, oh, how can I look at this thing a little bit differently? Or how can I, um, how can I bring more pleasure, even more pleasure into every moment? And how can I prioritize that in my mm -hmm. relationship and in my life? Um, and, and everything that I do and mm -hmm. just sort of like infusing that into your being is a, um, it's just such a fun way to work. And I think that it's so easy to forget that. Right. Yeah. And you brought it up earlier when you were talking about the erotic blueprints, I'm new to it, but thank you very much for sharing the link. And I took my quiz and we'll talk about it here in a second, but cool. you, you said that it was like a common language that you and your partner could use to communicate more effectively. And I agree with the same thing about the Enneagram. It helps us communicate uh, with a common language. Hmm. And when we have these tools in our toolbox, we can use a lot of this communication to be playful, you know, in the bedroom or playful in our um, kind of looking towards the bedroom, like, because foreplay starts long before you get into the bedroom. Absolutely. Are you familiar with um, Esther Perel? I love Esther Perel. Yeah. Okay. So are you familiar with the, she's got this very famous quote, which is basically that foreplay begins at the end of the orgasm. It's, it's brilliant. So yeah, it's, you know, it, <laughs> it's not, it's a, it's a in, infusing everything um, from the bedroom and beyond. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I can admit that as a masculine person that like, I tend to forget that, that, foreplay is about effort and leadership and creating boundaries and, and creating space in my relationships so that the anticipation and the attraction can still be there from the end of the orgasm all the way up until whenever the next encounter happens. Cool. Yeah. So boundaries, communication, leadership. leadership. Uh -huh. And so are, those are things that you enjoy as you enjoy having that reflected back to you as foreplay. Whew, uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm definitely the creator of boundaries. That's where, uh, that's a communication type for me is like, I'm going to communicate my boundaries to create this framework and mm -hmm. then um, also to create space in my relationship. But, um, but yeah, a little bit of distance between us in between dates, in between sexual encounters can create a lot of attraction. Uh. Yes. You know, when you're yes. around each other 24 seven, then you, you get into that chasm that I think you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, yes, the chasm of, well, and that there's so many, so many Routine. factors that can yeah. lead into that for sure. But you're talking about building anticipation, um, which is actually a really great segue into talking about the blueprints if you mm -hmm. want to go there. Yeah, let's do um, it. I'm super curious what your blueprint is and you can share what your um, partner's blueprint is. Mm -hmm. And then um, I probably should, you know, just for the folks at home, tell the, you know, just give a little rundown of the blueprint. So they're not like, what the heck are they talking about? Sure, <laughs> but tell me what yours is. Yeah, I, lo I love that we've already brought up some things through the Enneagram of like subtypes, which are sexual, social, and self-preservation. And the erotic blueprints reflected to me that I'm a sexual, that's my okay. highest score. Mm -hmm. And then my partner's is sensual, which is her highest score. Okay. And what was your, did you have like a secondary just out of curiosity? Yeah, I actually pulled up my results so that we oh, would have plenty to talk about student. today. <laughs> right. 
So there's there's five, and I'll just read off. Um, sexual and energetic for me are actually tied at the mm-hmm. top. Um, so I'd love I'd love to hear some clarification on those two, and then right after that is shapeshifter. So um, I can totally relate to that because mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm a good pleaser in the bedroom. You know I I want to please my partner. I want to listen mm-hmm. to um, listen to those needs and wants and desires and and participate in that and give it to them. Yeah. And then sensual was after that. And then finally rounding out the bottom, I kinky was my okay. fifth lowest. Cool. Cool. Great. So it's interesting that, well, let me go through the blueprints um, quickly before we dive into a little more, you know, thoughts around your specific blueprint patterns. Um, but the, so the erotic blueprints are just to give uh, people a really brief and clear framework. It's a framework for understanding your erotic self or your erotic energy. Um, So many, many people have heard about the five love languages. That's a very common framework um, that most people know about. And that's how you like to give and receive love. So the erotic blueprints are, um, it's five different blueprint types that basically helps you understand how you like to give and receive and function in your erotic capacity with another human. And when we say in the erotic realm, it's not just what you do in the bedroom or what you do with your genitals. It's how you, how you, how your life force energy kind of flows through you. And I say that because I knew Dave before you ever told me what your blueprint type was that you were a sexual. And I'll get more into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it just kind of like, it's just kind of how, how a person is in their life, the isness of you. Like um, an essence or. Yeah. A, and of course, or, you know, yeah. like we can't, we can't just categorize and say, oh, you're only this one thing, but it is like, like any framework, like the Enneagram, for example, it is just like a really helpful, like way of understanding people. That's really fun. So with the erotic blueprints, like I said, there's five types there and each type has what I would call a superpower like what they're really good at or what they thrive in what energy they thrive in and then a shadow which is where there is maybe some healing or some shame or some you know something that's kind of tricky and maybe when you're not at your best you are functioning more in the shadow part of the blueprint um, which I think is also something that happens in the Enneagram as well very much so Um, yeah. And so we've got the energetic type. So energetic type is um, turned on and works really well with space, anticipation, and tease. They love long- longing. And oftentimes they're really into like sort of transcendent spiritual experiences and, you know, connecting with something greater than themselves. Um, shadow side because they do love that longing and that anticipation if somebody approaches them too quickly oftentimes they'll just like shut down mm-hmm. like the short circuit shut down and then like just it's not even going to happen um and so um and so that's just a place where you can kind of understand oh okay well here's what happens to me and how can i communicate that to my partner so that they can approach me so we can approach each other in ways that are turning turning, literally turning each other on rather than turning each other off. Um, Next blueprint type is the sensual, which your partner is. So sensual is somebody who lives in the realm of the senses. They're like the person you go to that like makes everything beautiful all around them. They love textures and scents and delicious food. And they just mm, love being in their body. Um, They love, you know, massages. And that's beautiful. And then next we have the um, sexual type. So that's your type. So sexual type Mm -hmm. is generally speaking, very direct and focused in their love of naked bodies, genitals. I want everyone (laughs) to have orgasms, super fun. And they can usually like be ready, ready to go in an instant. Mm -hmm. Sounds familiar. Uh, Side note, (laughs) side note, actually. Um, the sexual type is the most common type that you'll see in our culture. You'll see it in every single movie scene where the two people like shut the bedroom door behind them. They and he slams her up onto the counter and they tear each other's clothes off and then they orgasm at the same time. That is very much a sexual blueprint type. 
Um, and unfortunately, we think that if we're not functioning that way, that something's wrong with us. So again, the blueprints help you understand that's, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not broken. It's just information. Sure. Shadow side of the sexual can be that you kind of uh, miss the journey and go straight for the goal. Got it. Um, <laughs> and then we have kinky. And so kinky, you know, people think of like BDSM, which is certainly in the realm of kinky. The important thing about a kinky blueprint is that it's anything that is taboo for you. So it's a very creative realm of playing. And um, there's sort of like the more impact focused kinky, you know, with like ropes and um, scratching and tying. And, and then there's also psychological kinky. So more of that like um, submission and dominance power play stuff. Uh, and then the shadow side of the kinky is oftentimes there's a lot of shame wrapped up in some of your desires. And then lastly, we have the shapeshifter. So shapeshifter um, is somebody who is turned on by everything, wants everything, super creative, and needs, needs everything to be fulfilled. The shadow side of the shapeshifter is that they can, because they're so good at all of it and they're fluent in all of it, a lot of times they can focus on only one area to please their partner and end up feeling very unsatisfied and mm -hmm. very very much undernourished, I would say, in their erotic energy. Yeah. So all of that is so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it, and you know, there's little pieces of all of it that do um, definitely resonate with us for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, how was the conversation you had with your partner? Did you find that to be something that felt relatable when you were when you both took the quiz and found out your 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 blueprints? Of course, yeah. It, uh, the conversation, this helped jumpstart the conversation around like asking a lot of curious questions and um, reading through the emails that uh, were sent after the quiz was completed. I was like, oh yeah, that does resonate with me. And then we're reading them out loud to each other of like our own results. And it bred more connection within the conversation around the topic of sex. Because in our, in our society that um, it's often known as taboo to talk about sex, like even in, even in partnership, even in intimacy. Yeah, right. um, but this was definitely not our first conversation, which is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go out on a first date and say, Hey, what's your erotic blueprint type? You know, yeah, but wouldn't, wouldn't, I think it would be amazing if we had a culture <laughs> in which you could talk about something as salient and fun and playful as the erotic blueprints, um, just as a way to get to know each other, you know, mm -hmm. and find out like, are we compatible? you know, or, mm -hmm. or we seem compatible. Oh, our blueprint types are the same. That's cool. Or, oh, our blueprint types are very different. I wonder what that would be like, you know, it's just. Right. Just but I'm not hesitant to ask about Enneagram type or attachment style before. Oh, the sure. Right. Because <laughs> that's not, you're not focusing on potential genital contact. So that's safe territory. <laughs> and definitely the, the impression of um, opening up with that of like, Hey, I, I just found this really cool quiz, the erotic blueprint. Um, I'm really curious about what it's going to show me. Would you be willing to take the, the quiz with me? And then we can talk about it. You know, when you say erotic blueprint before first date, somebody's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Or they might get the wrong impression of like, oh, now it's on. <laughs> interesting or if you're a person like me I would be like oh that person asked me a really interesting question wow that's really cool uh, what a turn on like I'm just more interested to know them as a human whether or not we end up dating mm -hmm. yeah classic eight over here where I'm like I can't get that vulnerable not that soon <laughs> oh yes <laughs> love that I love that you can bring you know the Enneagram into this conversation yeah, for sure. I've not seen much more growth in any other area in my life other than through the tool like the Enneagram and then adding in it, other tools like the erotic blueprint and love languages and attachment styles all help me understand myself better mm -hmm. so that I can share better with my partners um, and get curious about where they're at too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something that I really, something that 
I find super helpful for couples working with the blueprints. Um, this is not something that I personally have struggled with in my partnership because we are very sexually compatible, but there is that whole um, topic of, and I would actually say it's a myth, the, the myth of sexual incompatibility, which is very strong in our culture, um, which, you know, I, you can read all kinds of very sad um, subreddits on Reddit about <laughs> people who are, you know, like very unsatisfied in their bed, in the bedroom. Sure. And so there's these conversations around like frequency and high libido versus low libido. And, you know, like um, if we are compatible, we should want it the same amount and we should have the same quality as, you know, like our neighbors or, or whatever it is. But the thing that's really cool about the blueprints is that it gives you so much information. One of the most, uh, so there's, you know, if you think about like polarities, like something that has a charge between it, like magnets, the one, one of the most highly high polarity blueprint combinations is the sexual and the energetic. Okay. So if you can imagine the sexual is like, like I said, the sexual is like ready to go 60 seconds. Let's do this. Whereas the energetic is like, oh no, I want you to tease me all day long and send me flirty texts and I want anticipation. And then when we get to it, I want it to be really slow and I want us to connect and have eye gazing. Um, <laughs> but the sexual is like, no, that's not what I do. And so that can be a very challenging match. Um, but again, it's not something that can't be overcome. It's just mm -hmm. that you start to understand this framework and this language that you didn't have before. And that can really shift the, the whole dynamic of what you thought was incompatibility. Right. Really I can totally, I can totally get on board with that. Um, as long as the partnership is communicating about what their needs, wants, and desires are, and also uh, what the best way to go about it is. Like uh, when you're talking about the energetic type being, uh, let's slow it down. Let's take our time. You know, mm -hmm. that's really attractive to me when I hear it out loud is like, okay, you're, you're telling me, no, that's, that's hot. You're telling me that there has to be like a slower pace to it. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, it's a reflection for me to like, can I listen to my partner's needs and slow down? Mm -hmm. But you're saying what I'm hearing you say that you didn't say is that if nobody says anything, then that just creates this like this sort of like dance of like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm supposed to guess they're not meeting my needs. They're they're always doing blah, 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 or they're never blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes that we don't have this, we don't communicate for so many numbers of reasons, right? But one one reason is that we don't have a framework or a language around what our desires and our needs even are. If we mm -hmm. don't, if we've never been in a space to identify them. Um, and again, so, so many women, you, you know, like women who even feel like they are like super successful, um, they've done a lot of work, even still have this sort of like inner, like good girl that is trained to not say what she needs. Right. Right. And I'm I see so, this I'm coming so, up. Yeah. I see it coming up when people start dating and they're not really like saying what they really want and need. Mm -hmm. And they just want to like get the girl or get the guy. And mm -hmm. then, you know, but it's all, you know, all that stuff's going to come out eventually. Oh yeah, so absolutely. Learn the framework. <laughs> It'll be so helpful. Yep. And, and you'll probably deepen the connection, not even probably, you will deepen the connection between the two of you and uh, build a better intimate bond um, when those needs are expressed. And, and I'm so glad that you brought it up in the way that you did, because um, my mind immediately went to covert contracts that we have within our relationships of like, um, I want my partner to read my mind, you know, of like, um, I'm going to participate in this sexual encounter. And, you know, I find myself leaving so unfulfilled the majority of the time. 
well, what is my role in this? My role in this is to communicate my needs and to express my wants and desires so that I can have a fulfilling sex life. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about the, another tool for communication in order to get our needs met as yeah. long as we're talking about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we can give ourselves the permission to, to go there, the permission mm-hmm. to play, their permission to get vulnerable and the permission to, I don't know if I can swear, but the permission to F, to F it up, you know, to not get it right. <laughs> so I think sometimes like we, we feel like we have to say the right thing, the exact right thing. And if we don't, oh my God, we're going to look stupid or dumb, or they're going to think X, Y, or Z about us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, the beauty of I guess I would say just the beauty of remembering to play. Like it's, it's not a mistake. It's just like, Oh, I, I played it that way. And that did not go well. <laughs> yes, of course. Under, under the context of permission and consent, which is um, really important as part of this conversation, oh, when man. we talk about the five different, um, we could have five... an entire other hour conversation about con- <laughs> right. <just> consent. <laughs> right. And Dr. Kristen Mark was a guest on the podcast a little while ago. And she's, she reaffirmed that consent is sexy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's part of our needs when we share them of like, yeah. uh, you know what, we came really close to having sex last weekend. I would like to actually have a talk about what that means to you and, and what kind of structure and boundaries you have around that before yeah. we actually go into the act of, um, of intercourse, mm-hmm. you know? And so we've, uh, now we've given ourselves the permission through consent to explore and be playful. And, and one of the things that's a common denominator in our community is fear, fear of, fear of rejection through saying the wrong thing in the wrong way, but also just that fear of asking for uh, the boundary to be put in place so that you both have permission to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fear is, fear is just, just a killer. And it it's is. just like, it's the human condition really is the human condition. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, now that we've talked a little bit about the energetic and the sexual I don't know if you said incompatibility or compatibility, but it was a good way to challenge yourself to communicate. What other areas can we learn about compatibility and incompatibility through the five types? Well, I guess I would circle back around to what I said earlier, and I would challenge the myth that incompatibility is what we're actually talking about. I would say that what we're talking about is uh, an an assumption about how humans operate sexually based on how we see sex played out to us in the larger culture, like uh, movies and things like that. And making the assumption that if we're not operating like that, then we are not compatible. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, you know, gosh, we could talk about so many things. Um, other other aspects that I would say this would really help people. Um, you know, you were talking about consent earlier, and one of the and communication. Um, one of the things that I think learning a language, I call it a language because it really is a language. I mean, my partner and I, at this point, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll move into like a space of where we wanna um, have playtime with each other. And uh, we'll be like, what blueprint are you feeling right now? You know, and then we can <laughs> like, cause we're both pretty, he's a predominantly sensual type, but then shapeshifter. So he's kind of everywhere. I'm um, predominantly energetic and kinky, but I'm also very like shapeshiftery. So we can, and we're both very switchy just in terms of like how we like to play with power in the bedroom. So Mm -hmm. um, we can, we can switch very easily into dominant and submissive. So we can actually ask each other, what blueprint are you feeling? 
and the other can say, oh, I'm feeling um, really sensual, but then I want to move into some kinky place. So like, I'll start with maybe like just a nice, like grounding massage for him. And then I'll get out the floggers or, you know, um, some rope or whatever. And we just like using that language just helps it helps us bond more and helps us feel like we're more compatible because if we're feeling two totally different blueprint types um, that just don't feel very compatible right now, that's that's okay. And we can just um, circle back around to another time or, um, or really, really anything. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's also helpful, um, like I said before, when I knew, I knew that you were a sexual type before you told me your <laughs> blueprint type, these energies just sort of permeate who we are. Um, and like, you're a very direct uh, Enneagram eight. Actually, I think I have another friend who's an Enneagram eight, who's also a sexual type. I, you, you're very similar in some ways. And I was like, I I'll take that sexual. as a compliment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and so you just can get a sense of um, how to play with your partner outside of the bedroom as well, how to communicate with your partner outside of the bedroom as well by using languaging that speaks to them, you know, mm -hmm. um, such as say you are an energetic who has a sexual partner, your partner, your sexual partner wants to go at it like right then and there. And you can say to them, ooh, I can't wait to let you make me orgasm four times in a row. But first I want you to um, send me flirty texts all day. And I want you to tell me what you're going to do to me. So mm. you can kind of like, you can make it a game. You can, and then you can, like you're, I'm creating space for myself in that moment where like, I need that anticipation and I need that buildup. Uh, but, and so in a way that, that my partner knows I want him and I, he's going to get what he wants, but I also want to get what I want. Mm, awesome. Awesome use of, of a common trend in modern dating, which is sexting. Um, but yeah. setting up boundaries and, and asking for that need to be met or, sharing that that want and need will help uh, kind of further your connection later on when when the two people mat, uh, meet up again at night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So I think one thing I also like to um, help people remember, and I think we all, well, I don't know, maybe we know this, maybe we don't know this, so um, when think, people think about, you know, um, sexuality coaching or sex therapy or something like that, or, you know, you see articles in magazines about, you know, like uh, how to be a better lover and it's all technique based about, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, how hard you are, how wet you are, how many orgasms am I having um, or lack thereof. And that's actually not what makes people compatible. That's not what makes a good lover. It really is about knowing yourself and attuning to yourself. And once you've done that, then you can know your partner and attune to them. And um, when you have this shared and common language and this framework, like the blueprints, you build empathy and you become more relational. I think um, oftentimes it's easy for us to, especially if we are into personal growth, we can get very individualistic and boundaries driven, like boundaries as in like, I gotta shut you out and like, this is a deal breaker. Um, but that's not always the, the best thing for a relationship. Sometimes the best thing is that relational aspect of empathy and connection. Mm -hmm. This is something that the blueprints have really taught me is the um, just the magic of having this like language that we can communicate with each other in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I want to ask uh, a little bit of clarific clarification on when we begin a personal growth journey, are we pushing people away? Or are we shutting them out in an 
in an effort to put ourselves first. And then eventually we get back to this conscious place that you, that you were describing, where you can talk about your blueprint in the moment. That's and then question. you welcome them back in because mm -hmm. um, I definitely heard that there was um, kind of a drawback to beginning a personal growth journey where initially you're going to be like really boundaried and say deal breaker where I, I hear that as something that's very unconscious of like that person doesn't feel very emotionally intelligent or emotionally mature when they're like deal breaker. I think that's different for every, you know, that the answer to the question <laughs> almost every question for me is it depends right <laughs> yes <laughs> probably sure as the nine uh i live in that kind of territory <laughs> um but i would say you know um i think it does depend because if you are a person who has never um never been aware of boundaries if you've had your boundaries trampled your whole life uh you or maybe you grew up in a family where there were no boundaries um and you don't know, you don't know how to set them. I think sometimes people can go into the sort of like a polar opposite of at first of like, yeah. I'm going from freewheeling, no boundaries. Sure. Uh, you know, everyone takes advantage of me to like, nope, that's a hard no for me. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, you know, then, definitely. Then like as you're on your journey, you sort of refine where you, sure. where you are in that pendulum swing. Sure. Uh, yeah. Good analogy. Really good analogy. And that helps me clarify the, the imagery there that we were talking about. And um, in the attachment style world, that would be called like an overcorrection. Okay. Yeah. I had no boundaries. Now I'm going to overcorrect into a, uh, very, very much walls up boundaries. So I can totally mm -hmm. relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both, both sides of the pendulum are more like unhealthy expressions of boundaries, whether you have them or you don't have them. And then, yeah, like the, the journey is like, where do I find that healthy uh, pendulating middle ground where I can like sometimes swing to the more, I need to be stronger with my boundaries, sometimes swing to the more, okay, I can be a little more loose here. Mm -hmm. if I feel safe with my partner or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Being flexible in those boundaries is what I'm hearing you talk about, you know, having boundaries, but being flexible, uh, showing yes. that, showing that you can't be trampled on, which is such a great language for a nine to, to learn and to implement into their lives. Uh, like, <laughs> I do have boundaries tip. over here. <laughs> Just wanted Thank to you. remind you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. So um, if your message resonates with people, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. So um, I run a Facebook group called Evolving Relationships. Um, anyone can join. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun group. It's growing. And we're actually uh, about to implement some more embodied practices. Um, one thing that we didn't get into is that the blueprint quiz is about like what your head thinks about how you operate as a sexual being. But the coaching that we do is not only your head, but also your body. It's somatic based, mm -hmm. like body based, mm -hmm. um, because that's where, that's where your desire and your pleasure lives. So anyway, sorry for the segue. Uh, that's all right. Um, the, yeah. Uh, Facebook group is called evolving relationships. Um, and if people are interested in working more deeply with me, I do also offer a free passionate possibilities call, um, that could just kind of connect us, help us figure out what your goals are and if we're a good fit to work together. And, uh, the link for that can be found on my website, which is lovewisecoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes below. And now that we have just a little bit of time left, let's, let's take that segue and run with it. Um, let's talk about the embodiment of the, the types from the erotic blueprint. Explain yeah. that a little bit more. Absolutely. So um, something that we do within the, the coaching work actually is, uh, you know, the sex is an embodied experience. Um, you know, whether you, whether some people say, oh, I'm always in my head. And then they end up feeling like they're not having a great time in bed, which sucks because they're not, they're not embodied. They're not in the sort of like animal nature of their body. So some of the work that we do in, in the coaching is more around body awareness. Um, and we 
we play fun games like um, we use different touch styles and types to um, determine what your body actually gets turned on by and what your body receives pleasure by. So I could, you know, I could ask you, um, do you like being spanked or do you like this, uh, or do you like more like um, fluffy textured materials on your body? And you could tell me an answer, but then we could actually play with that on your body and your body might have a totally different reaction. And you'll just get more information about your blueprint type based on your body. Mm -hmm. So you're asking the, um, the rational mind and then you're kind of double checking if that's the correct answer by using the, the, the different types of touch to yeah. see if that's truly how you embody what your yeah. rational mind just talked about. Yeah. And also, you know, just in terms of like healing uh, shame or taboo or erotic energy, uh, a lot of times um, we go up into our heads as a safety mechanism because we, we've been shamed or we have taboos or uh, we haven't been allowed, or even if we have traumas, you know, like being in the body is not a safe or pleasurable place. And so the work is helping somebody feel like they can be in their bodies in a really, in a really safe way and a really powerful way. Um, and, and connecting the, the mind and the body together actually gives you so much more agency and so much more capacity in every area of your life. So if you're, you're using the information and the wisdom of your body and you have access to it, um, it's, it's very healing, you know? So it's, it's working with the body, it's working to help the nervous system regulate so you can be more in pleasure and more in aliveness. Um, rather than in um, some kind of trauma response or um, some kind of other unwanted state like anxiety or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally relatable. Thanks for thanks for expanding on that concept just a little bit more about how to embody our our types from the erotic blueprint because that really yeah. resonates with me today. Yeah, yeah, it really is about the embodiment piece. It's, it's so huge. And it's, it's so, it's so fun. You know, it's fun when you can be in your body and feel safe and just, just so much more alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so very much for your time today, Celeste. And um, I really appreciate it because I know how valuable it is. And what do you say in the next six to 12 months, we, we check in, see how each other is doing. And I'd love to learn more about my own erotic blueprints and I'll, I'll uh, definitely tune into what you have in the Facebook group as well. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Bye.